Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman. Today, we feature a conversation with Michael Jansen from tinyhousedesign.com. Tiny House Design was established all the way back in 2008, and Michael himself is a prolific designer, offering tiny house plans in many different shapes and sizes. He is also the author of Tiny House Floor Plans and 101 Tiny House Designs. I'm particularly excited about today's conversation because Michael has been around since the beginning of the modern tiny house movement. He's seen lots of changes and lots of potential still to be explored. In our conversation, we get into the specifics of how tiny houses are attached to trailers, how to start designing your tiny house even if you don't know how to use SketchUp, how to estimate how heavy a tiny house will be, and what Michael thinks is the future of the tiny house movement. So stick around, because it's going to be a great show. Michael Jansen, welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. Thanks, Ethan. Thanks for being here. So I'm curious, um, you know, your site was established in 2008. Um, How long have you been actually designing tiny houses? Um, Well, so I discovered the tiny house movement or was made aware of it. In 2007, um, ironically, so I think it was about then that I immediately started designing tiny houses. Um, and I can give you the backstory in a minute, but let me answer your question first. But really, I've been designing houses for a long, long time. Um, in college, I started out as a design and architect major, but I ended up getting a degree in art. And once I found out what the architecture uh, profession was really all about, which at least at the time I I was told it was about meeting with planning committees and and doing a lot of bureaucracy and and red tape and stuff like that, and that just that's just not me. And I'm more of an anarchist <laughs> at heart, so I really prefer um, freedom <laughs> over that kind of stuff. So I was like, man, I'm going to be an artist, you know. So in my early 20s, that's what I did. Um, but all the time, all the while, uh, my, my main art, my main interest has been, uh, architecture from being a kid all the way up. So when I quote unquote discovered the tiny house movement for myself, I, I was just elated because here was this. And, and after I read Jay's three little books, he has, um, his Jay Schaefer's first, um, um, writings that he published were these three tiny little books. They're like three by five. And in, in those, and and you could buy them through his website. This was kind of before tumbleweed was a thing even. And, and I still have them. I actually found them in the garage a couple of months ago. And I, uh, um, I was, I was absolutely ecstatic when I read that he, he had, he wasn't an architect either. He was, uh, he didn't, although he had this passion for architecture as a kid, like, like me. Um, but he, uh, he, he was a, a painting. He had, he had, he was going to school for painting and getting his master's as a painter. And I had been getting my master's as a ceramist in ceramics. And, um, I didn't follow through with that. I wanted to go make pots and <laughs> not talk about them. <laughs> um, so actually I only was in there for a year and then bailed. Um, and went and made pottery, but, um, then, 
But I was just so happy. I was like, oh, my God, he can do this. I can do this. This is my passion. So I started um, I started blogging about it, uh, really kind of formalized it in 2008, made connection with Kent Griswold, who at the time really, as far as I know, was the only other tiny house blogger and uh, and made friends with Kent and said, you know, I don't want to step on your territory or anything as, as a tiny house blogger, as the tiny house blogger. And, and I, I really want to carve out this separate niche that's really more along my interest lines um, in design. So that's a long story for your short question. So no, that that's great. I never knew that story. And I think it's so cool how you just felt inspired by what Jay was doing and said, Hey, you know, he's not, he hasn't gotten permission from any, any official like board of architects. He's just doing it and, and I can do it too. Exactly. And, and really, not to belabor the point, but that's really like the core value, if there is one, for the tiny house movement is that you can do this yourself. This is self-empowering. Um, and you don't need permission, you know, always to do it. Now, you know, nowadays we know you need permission to park it somewhere so you don't get in trouble. But, I mean, there are certain rules like that. But at the same time, um, those that want to just live free and find ways around the system this is a great option. I, I agree completely. How many tiny houses have you designed to date? Man, I have no idea. Um, right now I have uh, 18 plans on the website that you can buy. I just did that book, 101 Tiny House Designs, which has 101 tiny houses. There are a whole bunch I haven't posted um, that never got, that I was, you know, had been working on because I like to draw. And uh, never got to a level of completion that felt like I could publish it or put it out there. But, you know, hundreds of, of designs. And, um, but again, it's it's not so much about the number. It's really more about, I'm just passionate about it. I like to draw and, uh, and I like to share it. And I like to see people um, build houses. Like, so when I'm at a, a tiny house show or something, it's always fun to see elements of houses I put out there years ago um, popping up here and there. Just, I mean, not that any, anything in architecture is new necessarily, but I, I recognize that, oh, they might have seen one of my designs. And, and then, but that's the whole point is that I, I want to inspire people to take this and take it somewhere else and do more with it and uh, and let us inspire each other. So there's a lot of back and forth too. Yeah, and I, I think your designs are fantastic and I frequently send people to your site who are looking for plans because they are so reasonably priced and really thorough and and come from somebody who has experience. So it's it's it really hits they hit all three needs, you know, they're inexpensive, they're good and they're they're thorough. And I'm curious, do you, do you have a sense of how many tiny houses have been built based on your plans? No, I don't actually. Um, so I don't, I don't typically go back to the people that have bought my houses and ask. Um, I guess if I were a better internet marketer or something like that, I would do that or business person, I would do that. But uh, I just, I just haven't. I, I am curious to know, or I'm always very happy to see when people email me back and say, "Hey, I'm building one of your designs, and do you want to see pictures?" And I love to see pictures. 
of what people are doing. And I don't always post them um, uh, to show other people what, you know, what that design looks like. Um, I just really enjoy seeing that and hearing how much fun people are having building their house and, and how accomplished that feels and how proud they are of the house that they've built. And the other just little side note about it is, uh, so when I, like I was, you probably already figured this out, but when I, when I design something it or put it out there, it's really more about, I just want to inspire people. So, you know, it, making changes to it, making it your own, that's really part of it. Um, so that's, I think that's why I like hearing back from people um, when they built it, just to hear, you know, what their experience was and uh, how they made it their own and, and how, you know, how it's empowered them or not, or feedback like, you know, Hey, I, your plans would be better if you did this or provided that. Um, I'm, I'm totally open to that too. But, uh, but the fun of it is hearing how much, you know, how much it's empowering people and how free they now feel that they've built this thing and, and it's, it's working for them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, those are, those are my favorite emails to get too. And I don't even design houses, but when I get an email from somebody who maybe bought tiny house decisions a year or two ago and they say, Hey, I built my house. Here it is. Thank you for, for what you did to help me. Yeah, that, that, that's a great feeling to hear back from people. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you have a favorite house that you've designed? You know, um, it's actually the Philo, which is the 12 foot, um, the smallest tiny house. And it's the simplest. It just has a little simple gable roof. Um, it has that sort of classic front facade with the door in the center and flanked by two windows. Um, you know, a tiny loft. And I think it's because uh, the the first tiny house I ever stepped into was Jay's original tiny house. Oh, not, not a, well, was it his original? Yeah, I guess it was. Um, or maybe it was the second one. Anyway, uh, the one that he, he lived in uh, in Sonoma. And, and the, the Philo is really inspired by that original house that, you know, that iconic house that everybody knows with a little porch. Now the Philo doesn't have a little porch on it, but, um, like Jay's did, but, um, but it's just simple. It's that simple, classic shape, nothing ostentatious. It's not big. Um, and I remember the first time I walked into Jay's house, it was actually, we were doing a, a interview with MSNBC with Jay and, and Steve, who's now CEO of Tumbleweed. Um, and Ken Griswold at Tiny House Blog, and the four of us, and they're interviewing us about uh, Tiny House businesses. And so the four of us were sitting in Jay's living room um, with this camera crew. I mean, we were all packed in there, except that the cameraman, that's the funny part, had to stand outside the window, and Jay opened up the window so he could poke the can, this giant this giant TV camera, you know, the, the camera crew that came was actually one of those crews that also does like 60 minutes and stuff. And I guess they just, you know, when they have free time, they also do like little MSNBC shots. And, uh, so, <laughs> so this is giant production stuff, lights and everything, but it fit fine in this tiny little, and I don't know how big that house was. It was probably, to be honest with you, I don't remember. I think it was probably a 16 foot trailer. So it was a 12, uh, 14 foot house with a two foot, two-foot porch. I think that's probably right. So it's about the same size as the Philo. 
And uh, and that always just felt like plenty of room because the four of us really could sit in there and have a conversation while being filmed by, you know, this uh, this film crew. That's a funny story. Yeah, it was a fun day. That's funny that you that you like the Philo. I, I'm kind of also really into, quote unquote, smaller, tiny houses. And I've always loved your Anchor Bay plan. Yeah. Um, what inspired that one? Um. So my my place of inspiration is the Mendocino Coast in California, and I, I was born in Ukiah, uh, lived I was there as a baby, and my family moved to the Bay Area, but my grandmother lived up there um, in Mendocino County in Redwood Valley for the whole time I was growing up, and so we spent a lot of time up there. And then as a young adult, as a potter, I lived up in Mendocino County, and so really. I just have this like connection to the place and have lived there quite a bit. I don't live there now, um, but, um, uh, but probably would if I could, or if it made sense. Um, but, and I, and I'm sure I'll be back, but long story short, I, it was after one of those trips out to the coast. So every time we, our family takes a vacation, it's always to the Mendocino coast. I don't think we ever go anywhere else, maybe Monterey every now and then, but uh, just so the kids can see the aquarium and stuff like that. But um, but it's always to the Mendocino Coast. So on one of the trips out there, I was really feeling like, you know, it, what, how cool would it be to have this little, like, beachcomber tiny house? And and there, there are a variety of architectures out there, architectural styles out there. A lot of them look like normal traditional tiny houses, but some of them look more you know, like they were built in the 70s or 80s and they're more modern, um, kind of mid-century modern almost, or, um, but they have that more angular, you know, clean look, uh, big windows, lots of, you know, view opportunity. And so that was, uh, that's where that one came from. It was, I was just picturing like how cool it would be to be able to pull a small tiny house between a kind of normal sized truck um, or even a big SUV and, uh, and be able to just hit the beach and, you know, whether you're surfing or, or whether you're just hanging out. Uh, so that's where that came from. And I, I plan on doing more like that, although I tend to do more traditional designs and lean that way more, but, uh, but I, I have a real appreciation for modern mid-century modern design as well. And for those who are listening, which is everybody, it's, a, a tiny house that has kind of a sloped wall with that's full of skylights. And then the, the roof, would you describe it as a shed roof? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a shed roof and a very angular wall. That's kind of part roof, part wall. And it just, I love your, you know, you really situate the house in SketchUp, but in into a scene. So you have it parked right near a body of water and there are surfboards on a rack at the back and you really get a sense of, of what it would be like to live in the house or to to spend time there has it has this one ever been built do you know i haven't seen no i haven't seen anybody uh build it but i know lots of people have told me uh that they bought the plans they love it and they want to build it and so i just haven't seen any <laughs> and i i as a blogger a tiny house blogger I, you know i comb the internet looking for things to write about and I, I still haven't seen that built. So if you've built that, shoot me an email. Because I'd love to see it. Yeah, I'd love to see a picture of it. Well, another thing that I like about your plans is that they all 
include the expected gross weight of the building and also an estimate on cost. And that's a question that I get a lot. People say, you know, how how can I know how much my tiny house is going to weigh? I'm curious, how do you come up with those estimates? So it's it's really been based on, I came up with a little formula. Uh, it's on the FAQ page on tinyhousedesign.com. Um, there's a couple of questions there, both for cost and for weight. And the real answer to both of those questions isn't what people want to hear. It's it depends. And it depends a lot on how not only how you build the house and what materials you choose, but what you put inside of it. And, you know, so both things can range wildly. But um, what I've done is taken note of every time somebody publishes information about how much their house weighs or cost and based on the length i've kept track and and come up with an average and then eventually figured out hey this is pretty much you know as as the length increases this is the average um uh, weight and cost that the house uh, actually ends up weighing when it's complete and so it's really just an estimate but um but I think that's that's what people need to know when they're making that first big purchase, buying the trailer um, or building the trailer. You know, if they're getting something used or something and they're they're augmenting it to make it work, uh, like up, upgrading the springs or whatever. So you've been you've been scientific about it. You collected data and, and came up with a with with the hypothesis. As, as best I can, yeah, exactly. Because it's an impossible question to answer to, accurately. Uh, you really have to, you know, it has to be an average or whatever. Of course, yeah. And, I, and I'm sure there are people out there who have never weighed their tiny house, which I've never weighed yep. mine because I, frankly, I don't want to know because there's nothing I can do to change it now. <laughs> right, exactly. And if you're not bottomed out on your springs, you're probably okay. So. Yeah, no, I'm not. The last time it was towed, it was towed by somebody who works with horses for a living. And so he does a lot of towing and he said that it towed great. And so I take that, I take his word that it, that the load is well balanced and I'm not maxing out the trailer. Yep. So I want to kind of shift and ask you a bit about SketchUp because it looks like you design your houses using SketchUp and every, every year or two, I, I say to myself, oh, you should learn SketchUp. That would be really cool. And I, I do a tutorial and I spend maybe like seven hours designing a single chair. And then I'm like, how could I ever design an entire house in this? It would take a million years. So what would you tell someone like me? So uh, the first thing I would say is you don't have to do it with SketchUp. Um, so I'm 50. And so I'm only saying that to date me and and to to explain that I learned to draw without a computer um, back when I was in school. You know, we didn't have, I mean, CAD was sort of beginning to be a thing, but most people who were drawing architectural drawings or anything else were using pen and paper or pencil and, and drafting boards. So I had <laughs> in my college, you know, house a... Uh, um, a drafting table and T squares and things like that. And, and, you know, a piece of paper, a ruler and a pencil are just fine. Graph paper makes it a little bit easier. 
um, architectural stencils make it even easier because then you can draw that kind of stuff. So I would actually say um, instead of uh, using something like software, because all software takes time to learn, I, I would say, you know, don't don't beat yourself up if you can't draw, if that's, you know, if that's what somebody's told you or you've told yourself. Everybody can draw a little bit and it's easy and don't don't worry about it and and just draw and and put it on paper and um, using tools like a ruler and stencils and things like that um, you know can really help uh, just get those ideas on paper and then uh, if you want to learn SketchUp there are a million tutorials out there for it I plan on actually uh, just yesterday actually I posted a a blog post uh, asking people what their biggest struggle was with tiny house design and i didn't tell you so this wasn't like a lead question leading question but I, i'm going to do a little i want to do a uh, educational um series or a course or something and put that together but um and and part of that i think will, will for sure have some sketch up step-by-step short concise clear little videos that show how to use it because uh, the advantage of using software uh, whether it's CAD like real CAD software or something more like SketchUp which is really more for um, designers or you know architects who are trying to come up with what the house really looks like in 3D and not like a, uh, a production tool for coming up with plans like real CAD software is um, that it you know it takes time and and to to learn how to use any of that and uh, but it's but it's attractive because it makes these beautiful or it can make these really beautiful drawings that are perfectly to scale and uh, and help you really imagine what you know what the inside and outside and all the details of that tiny house are going to look like once it's built right and i guess they provide you with something that if you did decide that you wanted to have the house built that you could potentially generate a set of of blueprints plans to give to a builder yeah it's um what i would recommend though is just take that that like if if you get that far if you get past paper you get into sketchup or even just at the paper level take whatever you have to your builder and say this is what i want to build and they have all the skills to do that typically and um or they have people they work with that do, and and they'll they'll turn those into plans or whatever kind of plan they need. Like some builders, you know, because framing is framing to them, they understand that they don't need plans to build something always. Um, they, you know, a lot of times uh, just having the dimensions of the walls and where you want the windows and where the interior walls are, what kind of roof you want, things like that. Often they can, you know, they can either draw the plans or. Or, or take your rendering, your SketchUp drawing, to the next level or whatever. Um, they don't usually, a professional builder doesn't need that. Doesn't need that level of detail. Right, exactly. They just need to understand the core requirements, you know, to put it in sort of geek talk, um, of what you're trying to do. And as much detail as you can provide, but, you know, they're not expecting you know, a full detailed set of plans to come out of the client. On the other hand, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, plans are really valuable because knowing how long those two-by-fours are going to need to be cut or how many you're going to need or um, what the spacing is. And in a tiny house, it's not exactly going to be, you know, 16 or 24 inches on center all the time because 
the walls are so short, so short that you end up having these kind of weird spacings between walls and things to deal with the fenders and where you want the windows and stuff. So um, having a plan is actually really helpful for folks like that who are um, who don't build houses professionally every day and and frame in their sleep. That's great advice. I was just thinking about how tiny houses sit and are attached to their trailers. And when I built mine, started I started in 2012, I kind of followed the tumbleweed model, which was to remove the trailer decking and then essentially create a sandwich of, you know, sheet metal, plywood, and then my floor joists that sat kind of on top of the trailer. And, and now I've been seeing houses where the floor framing actually sits within the trailer. And I was curious how you, how you specify that in your designs, or do you just, do you leave that open to the builder to decide? Oh, no, I, I specify it. Um, I still show the house, the floor, wood floor, wood framed floor, being built on top of the trailer and not inset. And the reason, so let me just back up and give you a short version of the history of trailer attachments in tiny houses. Uh, it's changed dramatically over the years because in the beginning, everybody was just using flatbed car trailers. Um, nowadays, we have lots of companies building tiny house specific trailers. And I think it was actually Dee Williams who, um, she was the first I saw custom ordering trailers where the floor was actually inside the steel framing and that makes a lot of sense and and de explained it as you know it just gives everybody that extra height you know that extra interior height in the house by lowering the floor of the house to the steel deck of the trailer and uh, you can still do that with my plans you just basically just skip the floor and you build a floor onto the purpose-built trailer you have and then build the walls on top of that. And the only other edit might be you're going to make the walls a little bit taller um, because you just saved that height of the wood floor. Um, but the other reason to have the wood floor is extra insulation. So one of the other things D reported, and D was probably one of the first people that built a tumbleweed um, from Jay's plans. And and uh, one of the things she reported was that um, the floor is incredibly cold uh, in a tiny house. Now, she lives up in Olympia, Washington, so um, I imagine that's part of the issue. But, um, but you know, she always recommended a five and a half, you know, two by six um, uh, amount of floor uh, framing. And so because of that strong feeling uh, <laughs> that floors and give be two by sixes that at you know that took away another two inches from the interior height of the house um so it just made sense to her hey let's just you know recapture six inches and drop the whole thing down into the trailer and just have a custom trailer built so since that um people have stopped uh, or not stopped but a lot of people are building down into the trailer I just don't specify it in my plans because that means you have to buy that kind of trailer. And there are lots of different trailers. And there are actually a lot of reasons to build the floor on top of the trailer. It keeps the house um, as not an integral part of the trailer. It keeps it as a nice big wood-framed unit by itself. 
um, and then it's just attached to the trailer. And and then there's also extra room down there if you build a floor on top of the trailer for your your drains, your other you know your plumbing, uh, wiring potentially, other utility kind of stuff down there, and extra room for insulation if you wanted to. Sure, yeah, I, I suppose there's nothing stopping you from adding insulation underneath after the fact. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for that that thorough history. I. I knew that D had recommended it, and I saw that when I was doing mine. My concern with putting the floor in the trailer was that I would then be limiting the width of the house to the trailer, and that I would have to somehow can't if I wanted to go wider, that I would be either cantilevering out or there would be floor that had little or no insulation in it. How is that handled? Yeah, I I think. So the early purpose-built trailers used, so they had that box, that steel box, imagine steel box inside fenders. Um, so there was this, this, they really needed like a flange, and typically it was um, angle iron uh, that went um, on the outside. So from the fender to the back of the trailer, and then from the fender to the front of the trailer on the edges. But that cantilever, if you don't build a floor, presents a problem because then the weight of the walls and roof are resting on that angle iron, which isn't necessarily a problem if, if there's enough angle iron there. So if it's sturdy enough and um, now if you put the floor on top of that, you don't just build your wall straight onto the trailer. It's fine because you have the strength of the floor can can't help cantilever over that extra, you know, five ish inches of, of distance. Um, no problem. Um, but uh, but if you build straight on those those angle irons, then there's a problem. So, in more recent years, uh, different companies have come up with um, they just they don't just have that inner box uh, steel box that's inside the fenders. They also have added the same you know an outer uh, box. Yeah, an outer box on each one of those sides, and it looks like it makes a heavier trailer, literally. But it's a heavier duty trailer, and it's really probably better for building walls straight on top of. And if they also use the structural fenders on the on the trailer, which aren't the flimsier, you know, more decorative only, don't rest anything on top of these fenders uh, type of fenders, and they use the real structural ones, then you actually can build the wall straight on top of. Um, uh, on top of those fenders as well, and there's there's not a need for like a header that spans the uh, the trailer. I mean the fender, but uh, again, that's so. When I design these plans, I, I really go for uh, the most common denominator, which is um, a normal, uh, a, a more common trailer that that probably uses angle iron, maybe maybe not, and probably doesn't have structural fenders. Um, because I think those the, the more beefier trailers they add weight. I, I don't think they're bad at all, uh, but they do add weight and cost because they're beefier. They have a lot more steel in them, and so uh, like like with the structural fenders and that extra box, so those boxes on the sides. So, and if you got that, that's fine. You can still modify how you do the floor. Absolutely. So we're ten years in on your your website. Do you see the tiny house movement hanging around for another 10 years, another 
20, 30 years? I, I do. E- even if the TV shows like get bored with us. <laughs> so I, I still think that's kind of a relatively new thing. Um, all these TV shows like uh, Tiny Ass Nation, I think was the first one. And, um, but like they just contacted me the other day saying, you know, hey, um, you know, anybody who's building the tiny house, uh, we're casting. And so I posted a thing on Tiny House Design saying, uh, you know, I, I asked them first if that was okay if I did that. And I said, yes, please do. And so I did. And uh, to get the word out. So the TV shows are still going strong. You're nicer than I did, than I am, because I got <laughs> that same email and I didn't I didn't help them. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, well, actually, the, the first time I helped them was on their very first episode. Uh, the house they built is actually inspired by one of my free plans, the solar house with gables. And it's on my free plans page. And I actually started to draw a set of plans for them to build that house because the couple that wanted to build it, that's the house they wanted to use was one of my free plans. And uh, so if you go back to that very season one, episode one, that that house was inspired from one of mine. But instead of using the plans I was drawing, they decided, you know, I think we're just going to, our builder, you know, their builder decided that, uh, you know, well, I, he can build that. That's not, he can take what I already had up there for free and, and uh, build from that. And uh, that's what they ended up doing, which was awesome. And they gave me a little tiny credit at the bottom saying that the nice. plans were inspired by mine. But, um, so I, I've always been friendly to TV shows. I, I don't watch TV myself. So I, but the only reason I'm bringing it up is I, I think they really have catapulted the tiny house movement into the, so I'll get back on topic here, into the, the, the forefront, into popular media. And, and so there are a lot more people becoming aware of it, but I think those core values are still there and, and there are a lot of, and all, all these core people are still here and, and saying the same thing. So even though there's like this, you know, sort of trendy interest that's attracting and people who aren't trendy, who are, who get it, um, it's just growing the movement in size. I think even if the TV shows went away, I think that would still continue to grow because the core value is still there. Um, I do think though that at some point, or it's already starting really, that um, that I think it will begin to diverge um, uh, and help other segments of um, the tiny house movement or alternative housing movements um, you know, not in other words, not just in the tiny house on wheels segment, but in all sorts of other segments um, where square footage is being put in, you know, it's being questioned. Like, well, why is the minimum square footage of a room, a bedroom, 120 square feet? Why is, you know, why is your HOA requiring houses built in this development to be 1800 square feet? You know, it's things like that. I think the, and, and even in cities and, you know, a, you know, why do you have minimum requirements for certain things? And because there isn't a real value there, except maybe in the amount of taxes somebody could collect from somebody else. So uh, as long as it's not a safety issue, why is square footage even on the books? Why is it even a thing? Um, so I think that's, I think the tiny house movement is really helping there to spread that word. So I think it's, it's, Oh, and the last thing I'll say about the the longevity of the tiny house movement is um, this was, uh, so I first saw the tiny house movement on Oprah. 
was working in my home office. My wife walked in. She's walking, watch, watching Oprah. She says, you've got to see this. And there's Jay on Oprah. And that was my introduction to the tiny house movement. Um, that day was the introduction for a lot of people. But the truth is the tiny house movement or tiny houses have been here longer or as long as people have been building houses, right? They were the, that was a house, right? Everyone lived in a tiny house. house. Everybody lived, right. So they're not going anywhere. And they continue to do in most other parts of the world. Right, exactly. So, I mean, tiny houses are, are the thing. It's not new. It's, it's the oldest form of housing, and it just got this funny popularity after that Oprah show and other media channels started interviewing Jay. That was really the, that was like a catalyst for it. And then the TV shows more recently were another catalyst. But, um, but living simply and small has legs because it just makes sense. Um, you know, like I grew up in a, in a, big house 2400 square foot house but after i left home every space i lived in was small Uh, and it wasn't because you know i was i was advocating tiny house living or anything it just made sense you know it's just like it just makes sense to live more simply with fewer possessions you know and if you lower your responsibilities and and um and just live more simply even if you live in a bigger space, it, it still is a better way to live, I think, because there's less stress, you know, there's less debt, there's less um, cost, uh, you know, there's less energy usage, there's less everything. Um, and, and it's more at a human scale. And I think a lot of people forget that, that we're only so big, right? And I'm a big guy, right? I'm six foot big guy. And... Um, I still only need that much space. I don't need, you know, I, I feel like you know, when I'm in a big house, you know, it just feels too big. Like everybody's too far away. <laughs> you know, it's hard to have a conversation. Um, but when you're in a normal sized, smaller sized house, it just feels right because it's human sized. Um, so again, sort of going back to that visual of me, Steve, Jay, and Kent sitting in his living room with the cameraman poking in the window. That just felt right. You know, I was like, we weren't too close. You know, we're not, <laughs> we weren't in each other's faces or laps or anything. We were just right there having a conversation uh, around his living room. And it was the right size. Nice. So, one thing that I like to ask all of my guests are what are three books or resources or even music, movies, what are three things that have inspired the work that you do that you recommend that we check out? So, hmm. So you can't check out Jay's three little books, unfortunately, because they're no longer available. But that was one of the first things that inspired me. So maybe I'll just, let me think about the three things that currently I would recommend seeing or doing um if you want to build a house my favorite book is dan luche's uh, tiny house design and construction guide i think that's what he calls it uh his site is tinyhousebuilders.com dan was one of the first people to contact me years ago after i started blogging he wanted to build um, a house for a family member i think it was his mom 
And Dan had lots of building experience. And so this was his first tiny house. Well, since then, Dan's uh, been doing workshops and, um, and, uh, you know, he sells plans and trailers and he's really turned it into a business, but Dan is just a really great guy. And, and he is very thoughtful in, in the quality and amount of information he puts into his stuff. And so I really recommend his book, uh, uh, if you want to build a house, because it has all that kind of geeky detail in it. Um, so that's the first thing. So the second thing I'd recommend to people is, um, go to one of Deke Diedrichsen's workshops. Um, so Deke contacted me very early on. Deke and his brother had built this cabin up in Vermont, and he sent me pictures, and I blogged on it way back when. And that's how I was introduced to Deke. He introduced himself to me. And But since then, of course, everybody knows who Derek Deke Diedrichsen is these days. And um, his workshops, I think, are probably the funnest workshops out there. And uh, you really get dirty. And I think that's, uh, um, and you do in Dan's workshops too, but I think Deeks are probably more like, you know, having a lot of fun and building something fun and cool. Um, uh, whereas a lot of tiny house workshops, you know, really focus, really can only focus on certain pieces of things and, or focus on design or focus on, um, the rules. Uh, but Deeks going out there having fun. And I think if, if you're trying to get over the, um, the hurdle of building, um, like, like getting over the, the concern of, oh, I don't know how to build and you've never done this before. I think that would be the great, a great way to start is to, uh, is to go have fun out in the woods with Deke and build something. And I, he's doing workshops all the time. Yeah. And so what's the third one? There's so many. It's like, how do I pick? Like there's, um, Dee's book. I, I think I'd uh, highly recommend that reading that because it's like a real life thing. There was a movie that was out a few years ago um, that is really great um, that everybody should see. I'm trying to remember that there was one where it really showed sort of the dark side of building tiny houses, and I am totally blanking on the name. But it was really important to watch because it's not all rosy all the time because it's hard work. It's really hard work and it's it takes a lot of time. Yeah, exactly. And and especially like I have a lot of building experience, but um but even for folks that have a lot of a building experience, it's not easy, right, to build a whole house from end to end. And so um so like before undertaking that task yourself, I think it's important to really kind of hear that. Um, and also, and, and the reason I say Dee's book is important is it's, it's more about life. Big tiny. The big tiny, right. Yeah. And um, because I think that's, that's the other dimension that, that you, you don't often hear is just, you know, the whole like in all the vlogs, all the video tours of the tiny houses um, that everybody puts together, um, I, I love them, right? And they they do tell the positive side of the story. But I think it's also important to have that sort of that other side of the story that um, it, it's it is an undertaking, it's a challenge, it's it's a rite of passage of sorts. But at the end of it, the 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 
the feeling you have of accomplishing that enormous task, um, you know, is is ends up being worth it for most people. I know I've read some comments from people on my blog saying, you know, that that they don't feel that way, but by far and away, the mass majority feel like, yeah, that was really hard to do, but it was totally worth it once it was done. <laughs> you know, once they got through the the daily uh, pain of doing it. Um, so. So finding, you know, seeking out those stories, I think would be the third, if I was going to classify that whole group of things, that, that, that would be important to do too, is to just kind of take that grain of salt too, before you jump off and, um, and, and do that. Michael Jansen, thank you so much. Sure. I really happy that you, uh, you asked me to, to chat. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much to Michael Jansen for your time today. You can find the show notes for this episode, including links to Michael's books, designs, and recommended resources at thetinyhouse.net slash Michael. That's thetinyhouse.net slash M-I-C-H-A-E-L. And I need your help. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to rate and review the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Your honest reviews help others find the show. And if you haven't yet subscribed, please do subscribe to the show in whatever app you prefer for listening to podcasts. It's free and ensures that you'll never miss an episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. Finally, if you're looking for the ultimate guide to planning your tiny house, check out my comprehensive resource, Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is the guide I wish I had when I built my tiny house and comes in three different packages to help you get a jumpstart on your tiny house. Save hundreds of hours of research and thousands of dollars with Tiny House Decisions. Learn more at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. That's thetinyhouse.net slash THD. That's all for now. Talk to you next week on another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.